When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself a Gun. A Sopranos podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Sopranos and, and talk, talk about, about it. it. We're very excited see for how tight, all we of did, you. See how tight that intro was after four seasons of this? Honestly, I think at this point we're professional Sopranos podcasters, mm, which... Yeah. Uh, there's no differentiation between us and amateurs because we're the only Sopranos podcast. Yeah. Everyone knows. Thank you for choosing us, though you had no choice. Once again, reminding you to the annoyance of Vince Mancini to give us five stars and a review on the Apple Store. Uh, it's very important to me because, you know, I look at those numbers and I go like that. This is a reflection of uh, appreciation of the show. People got to know when they are searching for Sopranos podcasts, they, they're going to read the reviews and they're going to be like, oh, this one's got a lot of reviews mm-hmm. and the rest of them aren't there. So, yeah, the rest of them. What other, what other ones? They don't. Exist. There is there is no rest of them. It's just us. Uh, all right. Ladies and gentlemen. We would like to present to you our first guest for uh, this episode. We're doing, of course, season five, episode one. The inaugural uh, two- season five guest. That's such a big yes, deal. That's a great the, honor. Uh, the opener for the season. And uh, this person, you may know him from the Stuff They Don't Want You to Know podcast, as well as Ridiculous History. Ladies and gentlemen and everyone else, welcome Noel Brown. You guys, the, the crushing weight of being your season five, episode one opener guest is really is I feel it. It's like pressing down upon it's a lot. Me, I'm really I'm going to try to rise above it. I'm so happy to be here. Let it lift said, you up like a big yeah. balloon or like a fluffy cloud. Exactly. Or Wind Jordan. My wings Carpet. situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Mike, Michael Jordan during that game where he had the flu, you know, this is this is that for you. This is like. This is such an important part of your career. Uh, the biggest podcast you've probably ever been on. I've already updated my LinkedIn, which oh, is good. important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not kidding. I'm, I'll, I'll joke. I know there's, there's jokes. There's going to be jokes. There's going to be jokes. We jokes. jokes aside, uh, I found you guys completely organically. I was just like in desperate need of Sopranos content because I was doing my yearly rewatch. And uh-huh. I just literally, you know, looked at Sopranos up on iTunes and there was just one and it was you. <laughs> and, I, and I've been a loyal listener ever since. And I'm, I'm completely serious. I list, I do a lot of podcasts mm-hmm. is what I do literally for a living. Yeah. I listen to one. And it is this one. 
Yeah, that, I, and I I thank you for that. Yeah, it's, let that uh, be a definitive re- review to everyone out there who needs yeah. to hear it. Who unfortunately won't be able to hear it because everybody who you know needs needs to hear it is not listening. It's the self selecting. You guys know yeah. what I'm saying. Is that I what know preaching exactly to the choir mean. means? Is that what that phrase means? I've always wondered. Yeah, preaching to the choir because mm-hmm. they're already listening. The choir is already there. You're wasting your breath by preaching to them. I think. That's but right. I'd like to think there are a few people out there who are still ambivalent they've listened mm-hmm. to at this point over 50 episodes and they're like i still don't know if i like this i'd like well, to think there's like a choir somewhere and they just happen to be walking down the street and then they hear <laughs> the sound of a preacher just like wafting yes. into the into yes. the street and they're like oh my god is that a, is that a church over yeah. there we should we should go yeah. hook up we should get together with this that is guy. for us yeah this must be for us we are a choir a choir need- without a church is the saddest. That's the saddest image. They, they need that. <laughs> Those two things belong together. Well, let me tell you, um, I'm I'm excited you're here, uh, and uh, to me, your podcasts are a great example of having fans who give five stars in a review. You know, that's for, first thing I did was I was like, look at all those reviews. Look at all those stars. Oh, but some of them are bad. And the bad ones, there's no like rhyme or reason. The bad ones show up in whatever order they're received. So, you know, like a lot of them are like Noel die in a fire. Um, And if I'm ever like just in need of a little bit of like a dose of just depression, I just read the (laughs) iTunes reviews. That's a a good way to spend an evening. I think that was actually a a compliment. Like they want you to uh, be consumed and then be born again like a phoenix. Like a phoenix. I think it was saying go out in a blaze of glory. If you yeah. want to read it that They're way, saying, no, well, you're too yeah. pure for this world. You should yes. uh, you don't become a here. beam of pure white light. Uh huh. I'm gonna read it that way from now on. Uh-huh. You should. I mean, uh, chances are that most of those bad reviews are like the CIA, though, right? Based Clearly. on the the podcast you do. <laughs> Clearly, you know, it's weird, man. Like, you know, I, I think I, I've honestly never reviewed anything in my life, let alone a thing I get for free on the internet. Mm-hmm. So it always blows my mind when people leave very pointed, nasty, negative reviews <laughs> that like call you out by name. I'm like, yeah. why? If you don't like it, just like move on to the 50,000 other. I mean, that's a, a microcosm mm-hmm. of the n- number of podcasts there are. Move on. Why yeah. do you feel the need to like you put me on blast on the, I don't know. Okay. It's I'm internet my, culture, dude. That's, that's a, a, like, yeah. this is, it's uh, supposed to be the great equalizer. You know, if you got an opinion, there's a comment section somewhere <laughs> for you to say your shitty opinion. Right. And, Fair and that's a, uh, that's true communism, man. That's what, that's what, <laughs> that's what we need out here. Um, also, uh, I feel like some of the reviews we get, are from people who listen to Sopranos podcasts that will not be named because they don't exist. No. Uh, who they come in like you organically looking for Sopranos content because they are Sopranos fans. And then we open a show singing, um, uh, I don't want to suck my daddy's dick no more <laughs> right. to the tune of Dirty Work. Sure. And they're like, sure. oh, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and like so I was expecting, a, uh, you know, red sauce and uh, gabagool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. gabagool. Robert Loja. Where's Robert Loja? <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, but then occasionally we we hook uh, people l- like you who are like, uh, hey, this is the Sopranos content that I've been looking for. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, uh, so you do a yearly Sopranos rewatch? At least, yeah. Wow. I mean, it's, I, it's so funny. I mean, you know, it's it's such a 
fucked up show. I mean, so many horrible things happen to these characters that you love. But to me, it's become like comfort food. Like it makes me feel good and at peace, even Mm -hmm. though so Mm -hmm. many horrible, chaotic things happen. I I feel that way about King of the Hill, too. I feel which couldn't be a more different show. But The Sopranos (laughs) gives me that same like kind of warm, fuzzy feeling, even though it's about these total sociopath garbage people. Well, uh, I think yeah, like it makes you feel good uh, to watch like people act out all of your own worst impulses like sure. they, they are they are doing like all the things that you try not to do and they're they're bad uh they're doing god's work they're bad in every way and it's great to watch and i i feel like we don't have too many tv shows like that anymore if at all it's not it's not a in what way it's it, not like a, what about the, the, you mean shows where where people are just acting out their worst impulses? No, shows that people like that are about um yeah about people bad that people are sort of craven and uh, and what about and Mayor predatory. of Easttown? Ah, but Mayor's you know she's aspirational except for that part where she planted the drugs on the lady. Yeah, she's she's bad. I've been watching Mayor with a okay. much different outlook. No spoilers. I haven't seen a single one, but I'm really excited. Is it great? Do you guys really love it? The show? Yeah. I, I, I thought it was okay. I, I thought, thought it was, was pretty good. Yeah, Vince likes it. I, I I think it's like it's 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 enjoyable mostly because of the fact that it's like seven episodes and then it's done. You don't have to like look. It's deal. a cheesy murder show, but yes. it's treated like prestige TV, and uh, and it's very there's a lot of Philadelphia area. Uh, local color, Accents. and that's not you know like stories are people in place, and they they got the place down and Got it. Th- they didn't really need much more than that that's it just goes to show you well, I, I think um you're talking about like this idea of seeing people act out their worst impulses or maybe like by comparison my life is better because mm. i'm not like as garbage a person as these the thing that's replaced that i think is true crime podcasts yeah. which are unpleasant to say <laughs> i do not care for them at all I, I call them misery porn because they're not nuanced or subtle or funny whereas the sopranos has all those things that we crave yes. but there is nuance and subtlety and actual like character development and things happen that isn't just like absolute depravity and sadness all the time <laughs> right know? but i also feel like there's a thing uh now where you know like comedians like to be the heroes of their own jokes now and shows <laughs> like to have characters that are like aspirational or representational in some way. Like it's at a certain point, like representation became uh, partly like the goal of art and some things about that are good, but we also sort of lost um, the idea of enjoying like the worst aspects of people. Uh, Like, like just being entertainingly bad, like same with Seinfeld, you know, like they were no hugging, no learning. Like the Sopranos has a lot of that too, where, you know, we're here, like we identify the char- with the characters, but they also are bad and uh, mostly assholes. And that's what's great about it. We want sure. our true crime podcasts to be more, to have more like uh, eating pussy jokes, you know, <laughs> more, more puns. Whole characters named pussy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the problem. Now it's like everyone treats murder so seriously and it's like come on we're just having fun sometimes you're just out at a restaurant and uh and someone you bugs you in the later. middle of, uh, bugs you in the middle of a important conversation you know you're having a fight with your best friend and someone wants to bug you about a bad tip you left mm-hmm. so you hit him in the head with a brick 
you watch him have a seizure and you shoot him in the heart. It that's- reminds me of uh, Arrested Development. Like, and that's why you yeah. always tip 20%. You know? <laughs> And that's why you always leave a suicide note. All right. Exactly. This is not an Arrested Development podcast. This is not a podcast about some true crime. This is a goddamn Sopranos podcast. Here, here. And before we get started, as always, we must first play the theme song. Pod. 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 Podcast. Pod. 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 Podcast. Season five. All right, ladies and gentlemen, everyone else, today we are talking about, from Season 5 of The Sopranos, Episode 1, Two Tonys, which uh, premiered on March 7th, 2004. Vince, can you break us off a little piece of that synopsis? That's right. Uh, The synopsis for this episode goes something like, Some of the old guards are released from prison and want to get back in the action. Chris and Polly are at each other's throats over matters of money and respect, and Tony mm. decides to tell Dr. Melfi what's really on his mind. He sure does. He sure does. Um, cringeworthy effect. It, it makes me want to scream every time he expresses his uh, undying love for Dr. Melfi. Oh, yeah. I, it's a uh, lot. You know, it's a lot. It's, you know, that's just how he, that's how he loves, dude. He loves passionately and intensely. <laughs> He fucks passionately and intensely. He eats gabagool passionately and intensely. Um, That's just who he is. Vince, what was happening in America and across the world as this episode was airing? That's right, Matt. You know, you can't (laughs) evaluate any culture without knowing the context in which it was created. Uh, and for I, love, that- I love watching you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love watching your face as this bit has gone on for so long <laughs> that you're, you're you're dying a little bit inside as you say the words, uh, and it makes me it makes me happy. Uh, also, I forgot to uh, add the remember when machine bumper on this, so you're gonna have to just add, I'll add that in post I'll, and imagine I'll that it's it happening right now. So for for now, just do it a cappella. Wow, wow. Daddy, daddy, do that, shoot up the birthday. Remember Remember when it's the lowest form of conversation. That's right. We're going all the way back to March 7th, 2004. It's almost two two years since the last episode. I believe we were in, like, what, late 2002 the last time? 2002, yeah, that's right. Last episode. Uh, We can actually look at that. that. That we're back. We were... Yeah, December 8th, 2002 was the last episode. Now we're all the way to March 2004. And it's funny because the last season, all we got was like the lead up to the Iraq war. And it was a lot of saber rattling. And now it's already started by the time that we we missed the, you know, we missed the shock and awe uh, at the beginning. So now we've skipped ahead. And now uh, this was the week that uh, John Kerry solidified uh, as the Democratic front runner, he swept almost every state in Super Tuesday. 
Oh man. You know, after Howard Dean uh did the weird yell. Yeah, thing. yeah. He 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 biawed himself out of a job. That's right. That's right. Um propelled by the twin tides of electability and inevitability since his upset victory in the Iowa caucuses on January nineteenth. Mr. Kerry now stands atop a Democratic Party that is energized and unified in its opposition to President Bush, who is no better than tied with or trailing Mr. Kerry in the latest polls. But the real test is just beginning. Tomorrow, the Bush campaign will begin spending the first of its tens of millions of dollars on campaign advertising aimed at shaping the race. Tens of millions of dollars. How quaint. How quaint to be in a time where they're like, this this is going to cost literally... Maybe eleven million dollars, <laughs> as as opposed to the billions they now spend in presidential campaigns. Um, other things happening, you know, the wars uh, is doing great. Um, so we got the headline: <laughs> New troops get ready to assume mission in Iraq. We are going to make a difference in these people's lives," said Colonel Dana J. H. Pittard. But first, we have to get there. Colonel Petard commands the 3rd Brigade of the 1st Infantry Division, and he is preparing to lead 3,000 soldiers and officers on a road march north, where he will relieve weary troops who have served in Iraq for 12 months. I want to mm. be absolutely feared by the enemy and absolutely respected by the Iraqi people, <laughs> Colonel Petard said of his mission. Uh, what is we this want a real person, is- <laughs> Colonel Petard? Yeah, yep. It sounds like a made-up character. It does. It's incredible. Yeah, sorry, it's please just, continue. We there's might just be... a hard there's a hard T in Petard well, that makes me uncomfortable. Well, there's just... that whole expression hoisted on his own Petard, mm-hmm. which means right. like a bomb maker lifted off the ground by his own bomb. Yeah, uh, that's indicates right. an ironic reversal or poetic justice. I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah. it's just I, I, it's too much. No, to you're right. I, I've actually always wondered what the word was in that phrase because uh, I don't know. I think I saw it in in Veep. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. and it, the joke was ho- hoisted by his own retard. Mm-hmm. Right, right. A- and I was like, I don't actually know this phrase, but uh, I I would love thing, to learn it. Well, now, yeah, now you know. Um, uh, sometimes I learn things on this podcast. Yeah, that's what it's for, Erda. <laughs> Every time he has sex with his wife and she's on top, she's being hoisted by his own, her petard. own petard. Anyway. Uh- um, what we want is the good Iraqis turning in the bad Iraqis. We don't think we can force the Iraqis to love us, but we will show them that they can trust us. Mm, yes, and that worked out well. There's one thing I remember from that period of time was how much the Iraqis loved us being there and trusted us to have their best interests in mind. And, um, and uh, you know what? I fucking say... Uh, good luck to you, General Petard. I'm sure it'll all work out for the best. Yeah, you know it's gonna yeah. be great. Another- I love when you. I love when you want to uh, be feared by the enemy and loved by the people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, it, it's it, it really shows that uh, you are not at all delusional about what your role is there. Well, as long as you know as who's a- who, and then some of them right. you give your war face, and then other ones you give uh, your candy face. Yeah, I want them to fear how much they respect me mm-hmm. you know yeah. um other things that happened uh the u.s has caught saddam hussein already and they're assembling a team of prosecutors uh to you know make the case against the guy whose country we overran and uh mm. and took over and you know i'm sure it'll be 
a fair, fair trial. trial and everything yes. will be great. Um, I remember it being a fair trial. I remember he got his chance to, he was on the gallows and he was just like <laughs> saying some stuff in Arabic. And I was like, oh man, this is fair. And then they, then they hung him and I saw the phone video of it. And I was like, this is justice. We did it, America. We got justice for 9-11, I think. Yeah, somehow. Was it? Was it? Uh, was it uh, oh, God. Yeah. I think it was not. That, yeah, that's what he did, right? That's why we did that? Uh, you know, it, it's been a long time. I kind of almost forget, which is probably as intended. It was, the, yes, it yeah. was all the that, WMDs. We were like, we know you have them. We're going to find them any day now, and this yeah, is your yeah. fault, and you should die. Yeah. Um, other things that were going on, uh, Jason Williams, the basketball player, oh, yeah. uh, was in the middle of his trial for shooting his... Uh, his limo driver on accident. Yeah, um, yeah that was, was a, this was one of he had like bummer. three trials. This was in 2004. In 2010, he pled guilty to assault and did 27 months in prison. So, uh, seems like it worked out all right for him. Yeah, well, I mean, except for his basketball career. I think he was like already he was out retired. of the NBA. Yeah, he was yeah. already out of the NBA by then. You could have a comeback, but it's sure. hard to come back from, you know, doing limo driver murder. That's, How did he uh, accidentally uh, shoot his limo driver? Is it like a Pulp Fiction backseat fucking with I the imagine gun kind of so. Stuff? No, it was like the he was in the limo driver came into the room and Jason Williams did like was like doing mafia quotes or something and tried yeah. to rack his shotgun. Uh, yeah. and it accidentally or so it's post- just like the pulp fix i mean it's very close it's like the yeah. stupidest possible reason for yeah he was asking him you know what they call a quarter pounder with cheese in france <laughs> um and then he fucking shot shot him right in the face witnesses in the case have recalled mr williams's quotations from the gangster film goodfellas viewed by many as an uncritical celebration of mafia oh brutality. my god <laughs> Wow. He actually did do the spider scene. Jurors were told, like, "Hey, dance, spider, <laughs> <Yeah>. dance." <laughs> Jurors were told told that Mr. Williams recited lines from the film to Mr. Christofi only hours before the shooting. Oh my god! <laughs> this is I'm telling you, like this is the type of dumb guy that also uh, enjoys The Sopranos oh, yeah, on absolutely. a different level. He's the guy you know? that wrote into the New York Post during last season to complain that there wasn't enough mafia stuff in killing. Yeah, yeah. There's too much uh, feelings and uh, discourse about uh, whether or not Christopher Columbus is problematic, and not enough finding out about the HUD scheme. People love that HUD. <laughs> That's right. They love they that. Know- yeah. Um, top movies in the country at the time. Uh, in its second weekend, The Passion of the Christ. Oh uh, fuck! In its, that was then. In its second weekend, made fifty three point two million dollars, which Jesus, uh, quite a haul. Um, Starsky and Hutch number two at twenty eight million, which is also pretty damn good. Not um, bad. Hidalgo, which I kind of sort of remember. I think that was like Matthew McConaughey or something. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember that one. Um, I think it was Vigo Mortensen actually. Okay, okay. I'm I, I'm getting that one confused with. I don't know, one of those big flops around that time. Uh, top so- top pop song in the nation is Yeah by Usher oh. featuring Little John. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, top rock song was Figured You Out by Nickelback, which... Hell yeah. I don't remember specifically, but I assume sounds like every other Nickelback song. Yeah. It was not one of the bangers. Like That was definitely like a deep cut Nickelback mm. uh, hit, you know? 
it's kind of but you know at that time it was just like rock and roll was in this weird lull well where people were just kind of listening to the same nickelback song over and over again going like um yeah this this works you know it's for people like uh they just need something on in the background that sounds like music <laughs> yeah right. and then and they go yeah this is good this is perfectly um, pleasant i am fine with this it's like yeah. rock rock music yeah, yeah rock music is exactly what it is that's perfect um, so, and yeah. that's been uh the remember when machine all right, I'm fair sorry, enough. Re- re- really quickly, I got to say, the first lyric to this Figured You Out by Nickelback song is, I like your pants around your feet, and I like the dirt that's on your knees. Wow. Jesus. Wow. That's Holy steamy. Fuck. Really this painful picture. I think they're at the swimming hole, and she <laughs> is about to uh, get on the rope swing. That must be it. Yeah, Yeah, that's definitely it. It's definitely something really tame and not at all having uh, getting a blowjob uh, next to- From Avril Lavigne, no doubt. Oh, probably. Did they date? They Avril Levine? are married happily still to this day. Really? Avril mm-hmm. Levine Wait, and no. Chad Kroger? Yeah. Are they still married? I thought she married. Maybe they she... split. Maybe they split. Maybe they split. In my dream version of the world, they're still <laughs> together fantasy. happily. But, in my yeah. fantasy, they are still in love. They're so happy. Yeah. I just yeah. want them to love each other. Uh, but I, no. I, uh, yeah, I, I guess, do wonder. I guess so. Really? He she never said see you later boy to Chad Kroger. <laughs> oh wait, no, her. sorry. On September ah. 2nd, 2015, uh Levine announced her separation from Chad Kroger. She that also so dated the guy from Some 41 and uh Brody Jenner from The Hills. That's right. The Some 41 guy, like the lead singer guy, the yeah. guy who's who's got like a wet brain or whatever. Do you have a wet say, brain? He's got a look. He's there's something going on with that guy. I don't know. Yeah, no, he has like uh he like some sort of uh alcohol syndrome where if you drink so much that your brain your brain is wet. I don't know. I didn't really like <laughs> I didn't do my research on this. I saw like a MTV thing once and he was like he was very fucked up. Like he can't if he if he has another drink he'll die. Um and it was, uh, you know, it was, pre- it was pretty sad, but also, you know, uh, it's the Sum 41 guy, so it's kind of funny. It's, well, it he- actually has to do with vitamin B1 deficiency, apparently. Uh, is that related right? Related to alcoholism, but yeah. They should have called it Sum B1, you know what I mean? <laughs> all right. I feel like we're learning so much today, you guys. I love learning stuff. We're all, we're all having fun, you know, shake the cobwebs off. This is a great podcast. Um, all right, so... Now uh, it is time for us to get into this episode. Uh, Vince, you read that great synopsis done by IMDb. Pretty good. Um, For me, this is an episode that is um, about the bare necessities of the mafia and Mm. of life. Um, And so before we get into it, um, let's first do the Bada B stories. Oh, uh, this is a clip that you've made. Yes, it is. I can't wait. Those genius Bada-Bee stories Tony separated from his wife I'm talking Bada-Bee stories It's basically all these stories Within Sopranos E1 Season 5 We got Feech Lomana Who's fresh out of jail Carmela and AJ Are attacked by a bear Tony 
is watching Prince of Tides And then afterwards he decides to ask a Melfi so he confronts But she turns him down and he calls her a cunt Also Carmine dies The bud of B stories of Soprano season 5 Alright, you can tell. Oh, okay, you're just freestyling. <laughs> yeah, it's you're, done. You're reflexive freestyling again. Can't control it. Yeah, you know, I just, uh, that's uh, that's all you need. That's that's all you need there. So that was all the, the Bada B stories. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call this like a top tier Sopranos episode necessarily. Uh, mm, it sets okay. some stuff up. It's setting the table. Um, but it's, it's got some moments too. Yeah, had some good yeah. comedy moments. Uh, not a lot of moments that I uh, remembered through the years, but enjoyable yeah, to re-experience nonetheless. I'll be honest. I I've I rewatched it a few times um, in order to you know like take notes on it and stuff and get, gather clips. And every time I rewatched it, um, it was like a new. It was like all. Mm-hmm. It was like I was seeing it again for the first time, just because like there are certain moments that you remember that I you know have always remembered stuck with me. Like the bear, the bear episode is is what this one is. It's the one where a bear is uh, just kind of uh, stalking the Sopranos, um, and that was kind of the big moment that I kept returning to as like what I remembered this episode to be. Um, and possibly also the, the waiter who, uh, who has a seizure and gets, gets shot. That was, that's a also, great scene. Yeah, oh, very is. memorable. And it also ends up being the thing that brings Paulie and Chrissy back together, yeah, which like, is, you know what? Why are we squabbling? You know, something well, really bad could have happened. This <laughs> is one of us. Uh, I mean, this whole episode is full of um, people bonding over weird things because yes. mm-hmm. you know you got Tony who remembers that he has a thing for Melfi because he saw Prince of Tides on television. Mm-hmm. Um, he remembers that he kind of wishes he still lived at home because there's a bear there now. Uh, uh-huh. And Polly and Chrissy, like you said, they realize that uh, th- they should stop fighting because they killed a waiter together. All right. And, and the only one who doesn't really like uh, allow themselves to be, um, I don't know, in some sort of toxic uh, relationship or have toxic motivations or anything is Melfi. Melfi is the only one who's just got her head screwed on straight totally. enough. You think, I mean, I found her uh, especially awful in this episode. Oh, no. I mean, she might be awful just because you don't, you don't like her and the way she communicates, but that's because you need therapy, Vince. Okay. Um, I but- mean, she couldn't, like, she could have just told Tony, hey, I'm not attracted to you. I don't want to date you. Instead, she keeps playing this weird game where yeah. she's telling this guy who, this insane uh, sociopathic murderer, um, she keeps telling him uh, that she actually is attracted to him, but uh, she won't date him because of psychiatry stuff. Like she's doing like the yeah. intellectual masochism thing or edging. Yeah. I don't know what you'd call it. But uh, I mean, but put yourself in, in her shoes though for a second. Like Tony is a fucking smoke show dude sure sure he's a he's a hunky big bulldog of a man who's trying to smash 
and she's she's horny as fuck for it. You know, she's having dreams about it. You know, she's she's got some some tingle in her jingles. You know, she mm-hmm. she she had a sex dream. And she she is attracted to him. She He's, likes to play with fire, which I get. She does, but, yeah. Uh, but then she acts shocked when he reacts like a child, even though she's known him for years and he has always reacted like a child. Sure. I would argue she's not a very good therapist. No, <laughs> yes, she's that really is, bad that's at fair. <laughs> it is uh, one of my favorite things about Melfi is the fact that she is just so bad at her job, and that like, and that she is confident enough in herself to believe that she is good at her job to a degree at which she's like, she is actively aided and abetted a criminal uh, kingpin. For Easily. years before she's someone was just like, you know, before later in the series, you know, you'll see what happens with that. But like, yeah, she's she's not good. I, she's I not think... very professional. And uh, she doesn't really have boundaries, although the boundaries that she has set on the show, I think, have been mostly about self-preservation, but sure. have still been good. But she, still, she's yeah. very illustrative of the entire show, which is that. You know, she's basically a little kid who Mm -hmm. has put on this, like, power suit that she thinks, uh, you know, is what psychiatrists wear. And every day she goes to the psychiatrist's office and she's like, I'm a psychiatrist. And, (laughs) like, all of the mafia guys are doing the exact same thing. They're also basically, like, nine-year-old kids who have put on, like, leather jackets and uh-huh. and uh and Range Rovers and they're like I'm yeah. gonna be I'm a mafia guy and yeah, I kind of get respect because uh, their daddies were I think, their daddies were yeah. mean to them you know and they're like still that little boy like Tony yes. in particular he is such a fucking man child it's yeah. ridiculous and he's just going through these movements and trying to be this thing that he perceives or that right. he thought his father was because he like revered his father even though he realizes he kind of hated his father it's, yes anyway. I mean, it's like, I think it's at least with the mafiosos, like, yeah, of course they're like this. They have severe PTSD, you know, like they, they, they are traumatized people. Whereas like Melfi and the entire kind of like, I don't know, their portrayal in the Sopranos of the professional managerial class people, like, you know, Elliot and fucking, uh, uh, and yes, exactly. Them. There's no trauma involved. It's just kind of like this. Uh, I mean, it's this, it's. There's no real reason for them to do this like dress up thing. But they have it's the entitlement. Confidence. It's sort it's of entitlement. entitlement. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. confidence built on entitlement. It's like it's not just the suit that makes her feel like a big girl going to work doing a great job. It's, it's the, also the certificates. It's the certificates. It's the big words that she uses. Yes. And I, you know, again, this is kind of why I like the show is that. Uh, I think it's a reflection of most people in society who, you know, if you're a news anchor, you put on the news anchor suit and you go sit yeah. in the news anchor chair. But really, you're mostly <laughs> just like a little kid uh, wearing his daddy's clothes. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, clearly all this stuff is entirely intentional. I yes. mean, she's not yes. accidentally this flawed. Like, Chase knows exactly what yeah. colors he's painting this character in, and it's yeah. all done with precision. I think, yeah. It's- yeah, he 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 loves, I think, that... I mean, he's just so good at writing these types of characters that there's no way that it's uh, that it's not intentional. It's it's certainly like he, he has more disdain for, like, PMC elites than uh, he has for 
actual literal murderers, and uh, and so do I. Well, I think so it's an I'm equal it. amount of disdain, but one group is mm. funny, whereas the other group is sort of funny, but mostly just uh, um, off-putting and um, they're they're cringy. funny. In a, they're funny in a way. Uh, they're funny to the audience, not funny to them to themselves. You know, they they're they themselves do not find them. So they they're not funny, but I enjoy watching it because I think it's the funniest critique. Um, but let's get into uh, this uh, this first storyline with uh, Carmela. Um, so we got AJ, you know, uh, living back. At Carmela's house, and he has a drum set, oh and uh, you you find out that the drum set is because uh, Tony has been basically doing peak divorced dad shit in terms <laughs> of like just trying to buy his kids love, and uh, and so we have this opening scene where <laughs> Carmela comes home from like dinner with Roe or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, and we, we and she has to deal with AJ just fucking practicing his shitty drum backbeat over and over again and it's, it's Which is too inter- busy interesting for aj because it's not really like a new metal beat like you'd think he would be you know attempting some sort of uh, uh, double got, bass kind of uh you got slip. you got yeah you gotta walk before you can run though dude yeah, that's sure. actual <laughs> skill for sure it's very hard I i've got two notes i've got aj is such a little bitch <laughs> and awful drumming and then mommy exclamation mark like that that whole he i just want to punch him every time he's on the screen and i know he's at this like stage this like obnoxious pre-adolescent stage and i get mm-hmm. that they know what they're doing but he just bothers me and nothing is more galling than when someone's playing bad drumming when you're trying to talk it is yeah. like, just the worst thing in the fucking world yeah it's it's just so hostile because it's like coming from a place of you know it's not coming from a place of like passion for drums. It's coming from wanting loud noises to drown out my stupid yes. mom. Yeah. And and uh, and it's it's a great sequence here because you have a couple of scenes back to back that just really showcase AJ at at his like prime like uh bullshit fucking yeah. adolescent like uh I don't know struggles it's 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 fantastic so my question is I feel like whenever um, people get divorced in fiction um, the children always like it immediately becomes a thing where they blame either the mom or dad uh, yeah and that's such a trope I don't know that that is like a thing that happens in real life I'm I don't know have you felt like this is a thing that happens because I feel like um I don't know. My parents like love each other. Oh, okay. So yeah. they've yeah. stayed together. I mean, my parents um, didn't get divorced until I was like 18 or 19. So maybe I was just mature to, enough yeah. by then, but it didn't occur no, to me to like hate key. one of them because uh, they stopped loving each other or whatever. I got right. divorced when my daughter was like, I don't know, like five or something. So she didn't even notice basically. Yeah. And it's just kind of like what her life became. And me and her mom are actually pretty tight. We just very you know, relatively maturely realize we were not meant to be married, but we have a really good relationship. And so there's no beef at all in that department. But I could imagine if the perception was that it was one parent or the other's fault, uh, there could be that whole 
pissing contest, picking sides kind of thing. But with AJ, right. it's so misplaced because his yeah. father sucks, yeah. is the worst. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely, cool. it's entirely his fault. And his mother was totally wronged and didn't yeah. even actually cheat on him. Yeah. And yet he's making death threats against this dude that she was like pining for. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like it's just everything is wrong with the way. Uh, yeah. The oh, I have I have a I have a clip of uh, of the scene between uh, AJ and Carm. Fine. What'd you have? Roast beef. I see you didn't bring the power vac in from the pool house like I asked. And why does that even have to be done? I mean, Grandpa's still gonna have to lift into his truck. I don't want him to have to drag it from all the way out back. It's so nice to have a man around the house. I should have thought about that before. What did you say? Go out and get that vacuum now. What did I just say? Go! Mom! <laughs> Mommy! Mommy! AJ, be quiet, don't move. <laughs> Mommy? Mom! Look at that gun! It's all the way in the dining room! What happened to his voice? I don't understand. Oh, that's, uh, you know, I've been, uh, I've been. <laughs> I've been uh, messing with some editing software, dude. So like okay. you can No, I mean even pre pre editing. I mean just like he just what is he doing? What is this mommy? Mommy. He's, it's like he's I, I mean, I think he's a true bitch and I think <laughs> it's one of the one of the things that uh endears me to him in a way because uh I just wouldn't be able to if I'm him and I was basically him in a way, except for I you know, I didn't like have such loathing for my family mm-hmm. um like i would never be able to look at my mom in the eye ever again if i was just screaming mommy mm-hmm. after having just gotten into a fight with her and just being like oh take it uh, take the fucking shit out yourself dude i'm fucking trying to do drums all right bitch i don't need you and i never need you bitch you're not my real mom the russian's my real mom bitch fuck you what is he supposed to be around 12 pussy cunt Uh i don't need you i don't need no one and cut to mommy Uh, is, he like, is he like 12, 13? Like, no, I really he's have no like frame. 15. No, he's driving 15. by now, isn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah he's like uh, 16. Okay, okay, okay. I, I, but that's why I'm confused because the whole he's like reverts before your very eyes yeah, to I, like yeah. a nine-year-old or something. It's bizarre. There are a few elements of this episode where they went really broad, uh, this being <laughs> one of them. And uh, I don't know. It's like... I get that we want to make the point that AJ is such a bitch that he calls his mom mommy, but uh, you know it's a little, it's a bit, it's a big swing. I'll say that mm-hmm. it's a big swing, but I appreciate it because um, I need all of my uh, metaf- I need all my art to be on the nose because mm. I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. So like, I enjoy having the obvious kind of thing. I enjoy that the bear is metaphor. <laughs> sure. You know. I enjoy that screaming mommy is trying to like get a little bit of character uh, development, however on the nose onto AJ. So you know, I uh, I like it. So then, uh, but 
So then yeah, we get it's like also, a, it's also a, a brief oh, um, Carmella crush interlude uh, because there's a hot uh, bear detective. Hot, yeah, hot fish and game guy. Uh, just call him a bear detective. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Robert John Burke from Confessions mm-hmm. of a Dangerous Mind. He played the drill sergeant. He was also in RoboCop Three, which uh, don't don't really remember. But yeah, uh, he's got that I, face that just screams, "I'm a tough military guy." Um, he's also from. Uh, I think he and Edie Falco were both in the show Oz together. Oh, yeah. There you go. That's HBO for you. Trying to save money on actors by signing them to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> multi-part deal um anyway yeah. he comes and and tony apparently is like extra fine-tuned to anyone that carm has chemistry with because yes. he immediately susses it out and uh tony being tony tony's extremely immature in this episode and yeah. <laughs> by con in contrast with aj who i feel like is a little overbroad like tony's immaturity in this episode is uh perfect to me and yeah so he immediately I mean- implies that the fishing game guys gay yeah i mean it's it's great because he completely like turns on the fishing game guy not because carmella gives off literally any signal that he's that she's interested he she's not smiling at him not at least not with tony around you know Mm. uh she's not doing anything but tony's looking at this guy and is like oh he's hot yeah if i was carmella i would fuck this dude yeah yeah he's like uh this guy could be a, a threat so his well, fucking I think he also resents anybody like an, he's an interloper who's coming to solve his problem right and like, that's you know, true fix his family situation and he resents that and then immediately like what and then he does the the dumb flex which is just so inappropriate and doesn't make him look cool at all of offering them like money yeah it's like he's super condescending he's like why don't you buy yourself some new lanyards for your whistles <laughs> yeah. you know like what a condescending thing to say and it's also like it doesn't make him look like a man it just no, makes him look like he doesn't know how to read the fucking room you know especially like, when he doesn't take the money and then corrects him like oh and we don't wear whistles and thanks. like keeps that smile on his face of uh-huh. a guy who's like dedicated his life to <laughs> to getting like fucking raccoons out of people's pools like <laughs> the guy is like i think he's completely like not at all aware that Tony is perceiving him as a threat and is just like, Oh no, we don't have whistles. Okay. Bye. <laughs> I, I wish- got a, ca- a cat in a tree over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish he would have played it a little more like that. I don't think that guy, that guy doesn't do uh oblivious dumb guy well enough, but uh, that would be good. I ca- that's, that's kind of what I got from him. I mean, I, maybe I'm also like trying to read into him, but I just love the idea of an oblivious fish and game guy mm-hmm. who's like, he's just like, I just go to houses and I clean up uh fucking, you know, raccoons from people's houses and I get my dick sucked by housewife. I don't even know why. <laughs> They just are sucking my dick. I don't That's get it. That's a new but- porn trope. That's like a new porn <laughs> archetype, the fishing game, dude. You yeah. Know, you had a raccoon in your tree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It really is. Like, his life is just, he's a walking, like, porn intro. Yeah. And he's he's got the smile of, of a guy who lives like that. And, you know, more power to him. But meanwhile, yeah, Tony just immediately is like, uh, this guy must be queer because he is smiling. And he has nice blue eyes, and Tony sees him as a threat. Um, yeah. But Tony, meanwhile, uh, in a surprise to me, was that mm-hmm. uh, in the in the time between last season and this season, he's still fucking Valentina, which yeah. uh, made me think, 
you know, like it's a bummer to get separated from your wife uh, while you're fucking your worst Gumar. Like he, yeah, like the mo he's he's currently fucking his most obnoxious Gumar, and now he's got all the time in the world with her. Uh, and and he's doing that like middle aged guy thing where you're they're just like mean to women because I don't think they have the uh they don't have the patience to deal with them or the sex drive to care anymore right they're kind of just like as soon as the girl annoys him he's just like yeah why don't you stop talking for a while yeah yeah i mean he's a dick to valentina i think for a multitude of reasons uh one of them being that like their relationship was kind of founded on like them him like laughing playing. at her being annoying to Ralph, and now yeah, yeah, Ralph's exactly. gone, and he can she can be annoying to him full time. Yeah, and so like she's he. Uh, this is someone I think that's almost perfect for him because he knows he can treat her like dirt. And, I feel like uh, you see a lot of that relationship at like any like country club or any place where guys uh, that kind of have money like Tony uh-huh. hang out, where they have some sort of trophy uh relationship and they both seem like they hate each other but they they're there with each other for whatever reason and uh yeah and it's just like this mutually uh belittling constant banter between the two yeah 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 and you and you're in the middle of it just yeah. listening to two people just undermine each other to their faces and you're just like oh i don't have to be yeah. i don't need this yeah in my waiter yeah. my waiter jays i feel like i, I worked yes. at like a fancy you know hotel in san diego and i feel like i encountered many versions uh, of this couple like some some guy in a golf shirt that's joking with you uh and just like clowning on his wife or girlfriend uh to her face as if she wouldn't understand but right like, yeah you're, and you're, but you're the audience for the joke yeah you're standing there like oh shit this is this is not for me man i don't know <laughs> yeah. what you expect from me here dude right because yeah. if you laugh then you're like what, what are you laughing at you think it's right like, are you like mocking my wife what's <laughs> right. wrong with you exactly you know? Wait, but and you said you it was you no uh, yeah it's a total i thought we were stuff. i thought yeah. we were vibing bro I mean, uh, this is i need this job <laughs> so you just gotta smile and go okay oh, that's fun i hope you guys find love yeah. um when she when she starts talking about her therapist and his line is yeah too bad you didn't get all your talking done with her yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> And, like and, that's and, a that's that in my life that kind of line would be like a relationship ender, but that's him, an ender uh, immediately, yeah. immediately. Yeah, it's, for him that's just banter. Yeah, it's very uncalled for, and uh, and clearly it's like just kind of part and parcel of the relationship because she doesn't immediately go like, "What the fuck did you just say to me?" <laughs> right? She's she's just like, "You asshole" or whatever, and yeah. then like starts playing with his non-hair. Yeah, because that character, like, in order for her to maintain some level of self-esteem, whenever she's being belittled, she has to pretend that it's like a cute joke somehow. Yes, yes, very toxic. Yeah. You know, when he asks, "What am I a toxic person?" Starting to think he might be. Yes, Yes, you are, Tony. He might be, yeah. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. 
Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, but yeah, so they're watching, uh, TV and, um, randomly Prince of Tides, uh, comes on, which, uh, one of my favorite lines ever is when he's like, she changes the channel and he's like, no, no, put it back, put it back. And it's clear. He just wants to watch, uh, this movie because it reminds him of this relationship with Melfi, but he just goes, no, I like Nolte, I like Nolte. which is a <laughs> phrase I just don't, I don't believe. And is not something that is uttered often like no. no one's been like i'm a huge nolte guy i mean maybe back in the that, day that was movie he made a lot of noise and it got a lot of like like oscar buzz and love and stuff but like looking back at that clip it is so corny and overacted yes. and hammy and like the vo is like her perfume was as you know yeah. like yeah. captivating as her smile it was like, yeah. like pulpy kind of trash you know yeah. I, didn't, yeah. I did not realize it was like that i assumed it was like total oscar bait but yeah i yeah. almost wanted to watch it just based on that clip that we saw alone cuz i was yeah. like this seems real bad like magically <laughs> bad like this is a movie I think I need to see because uh, yeah, completely overacted. Just it's so like fucking uh, schmaltzy too. Uh-huh. And I was just like, th- I understand it's like a you know Barbara Streisand movie, but also watching Barbara Streisand in those like big like fucking mousy glasses trying to be <laughs> the <laughs> trying sexy to pretend, love interest. Uh, yeah, a sexy love interest therapist. I'm just going like, oh my god, this is this has got to be one of the worst she, movies ever made. Yeah, Barbara Streisand to me has always had like extremely big ant energy. Like she's yeah, yeah, reminds me of an ant somehow. Um, but yeah, yeah, I liked that Valentina's comment about her was like, oh my god, did you see her nails? All yeah, natural. Like that. Was yeah, those the- are natural, not even acrylic. She really has <laughs> actual claws. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that movie. Uh, w- it does a lot of uh, heavy lifting plot-wise in terms of this episode because it, it alone spawns Tony to go off into this fucking entire subplot where he has decided that he is back in love with Melfi and wants mm-hmm. to date her and fucking will not leave this alone. It's a little... Uh, like I said, you know, everybody in The Sopranos is like a little kid wearing the costume of whatever adult that the, they're trying yeah. to be. Never is this more true than in like the Tony subplot where he's forgotten... He's, it feels like he spent most of his adult life getting women because he's the boss and not having yes. to work for it at all. Uh, yeah. And now he's suddenly in the position of suitor, which he probably hasn't been in since like the 70s. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, and now he's pulling out all the 
tricks that he used to only uh they don't work so well yeah it's because pitiful he's pitiful watching him though it's really pitiful it is he's because he's trying to start a relationship not based on just him being like this big hot or you know big powerful mafioso Alpha, at the very least yes yeah. yeah uh he's starting from a place of like this woman knows everything about me like who i really am and for some reason, he's like, oh, well, this is uh, b- because I think for him, it's a shortcut into like a meaningful relationship with a woman like she's she was basically kind of like a second wife to Tony, not so much a well, Gumar, but, you know, she's perf- a- she's the perfect person. She's the perfect person for a narcissist to fall for, because, yes. of course, you're going to fall for the person who you've like open you've poured yourself you're poured yourself out to them and yeah. they have told you nothing you know nothing about this person <laughs> you know nothing uh, about her other than that they've allowed you to talk about yourself a lot yes and now you think you have some incredible connection with them and i love it because for tony this is the first time you really he get says, like we've shared everything it's like no you haven't no you haven't shared yeah. anything but but that's the thing to him it's like this is the first time we ever get to see tony with uh that desperate like i fell in love with a stripper energy mm-hmm. where like you don't like for you as like a, a a fucking little weirdo falling in love with a stripper you know you're like we i every i come every week and you give lap dance yeah, and yeah. every week i tell you about how sad i am and you make me feel better we in love yeah. <laughs> and, i think and it's, that, uh, there's like a direct line between uh you know falling in love with your therapist because you think you have a connection uh yes. like falling in love with like the bartender or stripper yeah. because they're nice to you and then like you know calling the teacher mom on accident because yeah yep. <laughs> <laughs> i yes. don't understand what he thinks is gonna happen like <sighs> i just find every scene where he's he's going down this road that he just seems more and more delusional like is it all a direct result of like the divorce is he having like some kind of crazy midlife crisis like it's just yeah. you're right it seems totally spawned by that one moment in that movie in the movie it's, it's like I, he calls he calls her up he first he sends her the the gift package uh, flowers and tide, and then signs it your prince of tide, and and <laughs> which is a great <laughs> shitty Tony joke. I love it. It really is. I I like like props to that because that is the joke he would do. Calls her up and is like, uh, hey, you know, I want to date you, and she's like, no, uh, we have a previous relationship. And his first response is like, I, I waited an acceptable time period yeah. or whatever before it's obvious making this. You wanted sk- to fuck me. I did this right, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny like, because, like, I know that Tony does everything wrong uh, in this episode in trying to get with Melfi, and that he's clearly like the slightly more terrible one in this situation. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't want to get canceled for this, but I do think that Melfi is weirdly leading him on in some way. Like she's, yes. she's doing a thing where she's clearly like trying no, no, to Elliot her, says this exact thing. Like her therapist says, all you could come up was this weak borscht, mm-hmm. uh, about professional ethics. And yeah. it's like, yeah, it's true because she, you know, and she admits it like, she finds him kind of attractive at first, you know, and, you know, but yeah. then after years and years of hearing 
what he actually is like, you know, she's at least smart enough not to go for it. But it's the exact reason that she's a bad therapist. Like, it's understandable that um, she wants to fuck him and knows that she can't, but she can't even fake it well enough. Like, she could at least fake not wanting to fuck him, but she refuses to. Well, devil's advocate. I mean, I think you could argue she's trying to make him not like beat her to death in yes. her office. Yeah, I think that's you know, clear. She's soft pedaling it and like say, yeah, no, 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 no. I think you got like your jib. You got a good jib. Yeah, uh, that, but, that's uh, what that's what I got from it. But again, I, I, I got think she's doing she's, even. I think she's even doing that badly. She's doing though, a bad job. Like, no, 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 no question, no disagreement there. Bad job, Melfi, all around. Yeah, yeah, she. She's doing a bad job of it for sure, but I I completely read it the exact same way that Noel reads it, which is that like she can't be too blunt with him because like yeah, because he's scary. He's a scary hasn't guy. Choked, hasn't he choked her out once at this point, or is that later? Oh, or he got close to. He, to, he really got in her face. Like he got, you know, yeah, and he's got in her the face door and put the chair in front of it and shit. I mean, I get yeah. that she's scared of him, but she's she. She instead of just like being clear at the beginning, she sort of let it go on, and then she had to, uh, I, yeah, be way too honest that. at the very end. And, yeah, <laughs> and like, but come before, on, you should have seen that before, one coming. Before they get uh, super super honest, uh, Tony has the scene after the phone call with her where he pretends that he's like going back into therapy, but then does not sit <laughs> down in the chair. And he's like, I that's came the here old, to. Uh, that's the yeah. old uh, Love Actually style of. Oh sure, um, yeah. Style of courtship, which is why I've always hated. Part of the reason <laughs> I've always hated that movie, but it, it's in that movie, it's like men um, doing like weird, embarrassing conf- love confrontative. Pranks? Yeah, love pranks. Exactly. It's yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. Like you the got punked a- of love. You got to bum rush love into into your women's. That's We're just how- holding the boombox up outside the window. Fall on the spectrum. I know it's yeah, a different movie, but is that in the same category? I think that- it's a similar category, but it's not actually saying "I love you." So I think you know, I think it's uh, if I that think that's were, romantic. If that were love, actually, she would be like trapped in the room and in front of I like a hundred right. people while he did it. At least in <laughs> yes, at least when he's doing the boombox, it's like he's just standing outside. People don't necessarily know who the boombox is for. It's yeah. a little yeah. less. Uh, it's more ambiguous, so it's less embarrassing. It's, and that yeah, Peter Gabriel song slaps. I mean, that's a excellent song oh for sure not overtly lovey-dovey like i mean oh. it's, it's it's romantic but it's like it's just yeah a, he should have played that nickelback song about you know her <laughs> pants being around yes yeah, oh, yeah exactly the, the swimming hole um but yeah so uh in this uh in the second uh in the confrontation scene you can really see the the nulty magic really just kind of yes. like weaving its way through this this script because it's clear that tony is like very inspired by the you know this terrible fucking nolte performance <laughs> uh and decides to you know con- confront her and uh court her in this just the most cringy way possible and i have a clip of that my training teaches me to go fairly quickly to the idea that what you really want is to come back to therapy jesus christ almighty come on will ya your marriage of 20 something years has collapsed no doubt there are issues with your children. Why can't I do something that's just for me, for a change? It would be for you. Well, I want you. And not just for the smart things you say. I, 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 want, I want your skin. I want your mouth. I want your eyes. I want your mouth. I want your skin. 
I, I want, I want your skin. I want Dr. Phil. I want mouth skin. Forget about the way that Tony Soprano makes his way in the world. That's just to feed his mouth. It's two Tony Sopranos. All right. Matt's having fun. He's having fun uh, with the edit. I like that. Uh, he, I mean, he did like literally everything wrong there. I mean, he started mm. with, uh, I'm here to confront you in a positive way. Uh, mm-hmm. Which not a thing. Number one. No. <laughs> uh, number two. It's, it's got a semblance of a thing. It sounds like something he would think people say. And then when he's telling her what he likes about her, he's trying to be classy by by naming body parts that aren't like the actual ones. Like he's he's yeah. not saying like I love your titties, I love yeah. your ass and your thighs. It's like no, I like your uh, skin. Uh, yeah. I like your earlobe. Uh, I like yeah, the way your yeah. little wrinkle on your on your elbow. Yeah, uh, uh, I like your weenus. <laughs> yeah. uh, I and like. Then, and then, the- and then when they get into the discussion of it, uh, he is explaining to a psychiatrist why he decided to make this big gesture, and he immediately invokes Doctor Phil. Yes, like, nothing could be possibly more insulting yes. uh, to a psychiatrist than explaining to your psychiatrist that yeah. you got like an idea for a big life change from fucking Doctor Phil. Well, again, like I go back to what did he think was going to happen? What does yeah. this relationship look like? This isn't a not. This is like would would create a like a portal made of dark matter. I mean, it, just, it doesn't make any sense. It's absolutely yeah. like just. I bizarro mean, world. There's no scenario where they would be in a relationship and it would make sense. Right. But for him, I think it's like for him, it's he's not used to rejection. And sure. and honestly, I, I I do think that there is maybe like subconsciously um, rejection is part of it. I think he he knows he knows himself that she's going to reject him multiple times, yeah. you know, um, and he I think needs it. he's training himself or something to be a human. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that he he wants his fucking he wants the drama. He wants the romance of the chase. And he knows that it's like this is going to be a really hard conversion to make to get her to actually go out with him. I think he still sees it as possible. But I think part of it is like he's in love with the um, I don't know, the romantic gesture of it. Like oh, he yeah. wants to wear her down. Because he's a he's you know he's a weirdo and he he's very romantic. He you says know? you're making half a stalker out of me. I would argue he made a full stalker. No, full out stalker. Of yeah, one hundred percent stalker. Um, so yeah. Uh, before we continue with uh, what goes on there, um, we need to get into a little bit of Tony and Carm, uh, having Carmela or Carmine. No, Carmela. Okay. Um, the Carmine story is there too, but first some some Tony and Car- Carmela uh, after the scene with the fucking you know uh, fish and game guy. We get a little bit of I don't know, kind of like uh, an epilogue on Whitecaps. You know, this is the first time we've seen them kind of together since well the previous episode, <laughs> and clearly a lot of time has passed, and there's they've reached. Um, I don't know. Uh, they're not. They're they're still working out the terms of the separation, but it's clear that they're both kind of have accepted it. Um, 
And we They're just at that kinda... stage of a separation where you try to decide whether uh, all the hassle that you have to do to get divorced is worth it. Right. Yeah. And, and like we're learning some of the details, like the fact that like Tony is like giving her an allowance of money. And uh, and we also learn about, um, you know, uh, what happens w- with Furio a little bit uh, and Tony's feelings there. Uh, and I have a, a clip of that. Spend $5,000 on a set of drums, SAT tutor, coffee maker. I'm going to fight you tooth and nail. All I said was I want to see statements from the tutor or he doesn't get paid. He's a college kid, Tony. He's not set up for that. You worried he's going to soak you for an extra pencil? You're unbelievable. Oh, rim shot. What I think, Tony, is you're trying to make my life now as hard on me financially as possible. Oh, it should be easy. Um, unbelievable. Unbelievable. What do you think? You're the only Catholic here, Carmela? I'm old school. I don't believe in a separation shit and, and divorce. Even if my wife was going after some fucking immigrant. Yet you are modern enough to use a cell phone to call Italy and every other fucking place to threaten the guy's life. Well, that's right. Certain people see him. He's a dead man. He had coffee here, Tony. That's all. And that a coffee maker sucks. <laughs> How do you like them apples? <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, it's... Uh, it's a fantastic scene between them. It's my favorite line of the episode, by the way. Another oh, coffee yeah. maker sucks. Sucks. Yeah. <laughs> how do you like them apples? And how about uh, his like casual racism turned towards his own people all of a sudden? Yeah. It's like some fucking immigrant. Some you know, like fucking immigrant over here. I would also yeah. like to hear the threats that he made all the way to Italy. And he's like, there's, there's this guy over here and he's, yeah. he's walking around in his ponytail talking about grapes and making my wife want to fuck him he's a dead yeah, man yeah yeah but like, there's a man who con- made my wife horny he needs to there. die no one's gonna do anything to him over there he was like connected he got him as a favor in the first place kind of or it was a trade of i don't remember exactly how he ended up with yeah him. Well, yeah it was like a trade uh and yeah i mean i i feel like he's probably safe all the way there because like all oh, yeah, of his no, contacts Tony's crew would end up in barrels if they uh went to uh naples and tried to oh yeah, fuck yeah. With furio is the impression i get mm-hmm, I, I i get that impression too i just don't think that like because like you know they're uh, in terms of like their business arrangement uh i don't think it went any further than like in season two with like the cars or whatever the mm-hmm, fuck they were right. doing and when we first like when they first get furio so yeah i'm pretty sure that furio is nice and safe in italy <laughs> um also uh i i do like the idea that like for tony this is um and this is a cut scene uh, or a scene that was cut out of the godfather um godfather part two but uh you know there's uh the guy who kills apollonia um in godfather one no you Don't never remember. saw godfather yeah okay well well you know she gets blown up in the car she's all like monday tuesday thursday wednesday yeah, Saturday. Yeah, yeah. yeah so uh in kind of a uh one of the scenes that got cut which is what i'm referencing here um you know it's clear that michael is like is like still going after him still trying to kill him and i feel like maybe this is like too much of a i'm getting into a theory here but i think my uh, i think tony has seen that cut scene he has the special edition godfather like, too laser disc uh, maybe even yeah on laser disc for sure and he is like i gotta go after this guy um but that's just a theory but mostly yeah i do enjoy the fact that um the fucking uh the 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 racism of 
this you know uh, this fucking immigrant as if tony hasn't spent all of last season telling aj the wonderful italian immigrant story right. you know the church yeah yeah but uh yeah anyways um let's maybe get into uh, a little bit of what's happening here with um uh feech lamana mm. uh yeah one of one of the most high profile character uh you know new guest stars of the sopranos robert loggia uh yeah we obviously they teased steve buscemi in the clips with uh tony blundetto but he hasn't shown up as a character yet other than like a tv clip but yeah um, we do get by the way the guy doing the news uh anchor bit in the beginning is matthew weiner who uh yeah for the show and also created uh mad men but i I only found that out just recently but that's totally him yeah yeah matthew weiner is playing uh the guy on tv that they're that they're watching um which uh is something that like i didn't know that they did on the sopranos until i uh started reading the soprano session book by uh alan and uh matt um it like apparently like terrence winter has been in it fucking Mm -hmm. matthew weiner like like there's a lot of these like writer guest spots there's also uh, the weirdest reference in this episode which is that um the kuzumano's dog dog is apparently named esther haas which makes no sense and i was like is that a reference to Joe Esterhaus and it is right. It's I, a writer thing or some kind of beef or like uh, resentment that what's his name David David Chase had. Yeah, I couldn't really what? find anything on it other than people like referencing it that it was a like supposedly an allusion to Joe Esterhaus who had just released his uh, memoir, um, which was my first question, and I was like, why why would he make that reference? That's weird. That's a really weird thing to put in the episode. Um, I never found anything of David Chase like, actually explaining it, but uh, hold on. Well, he wouldn't. Yeah, no, he wouldn't. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't fucking care. There's, there's one thing David Chase doesn't give a shit about. It's you and your, your theories about the Sopranos. Yeah, but he will name a character inexplicably about uh, the writer of Powder uh, being the name of a dog. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So we're getting back to like Feech. Um, Feech is played by Robert Loja, and um, he only has one scene in there. And I, it's like, it's a memorable scene because I just, you know, I love me some Robert Loja. I do you, too, but he's making some very wild acting choices uh, in, <laughs> in this scene. Oh, I thought it was, I thought it was great. Uh, the ha- story about him beating up the guy in prison. Oh, I, I don't know. I heard it different. He's in the middle of a story. What is isn't he? It's day one. I'm in the mess. I look around, and I spot the biggest, blackest motherfucker that I can find. Everybody's looking at me. And I walk right up to him, and I say, Your mother's right. He says, Whoa, Robert Loja. I said, Your minute made orange tangerine taste great. This guy has as much calcium as milk. That ain't a bam right across the fucking coconut. It goes down. I'm on top of him. Everybody around it. He's getting some shots in. Everybody's going. If you say so, Mr. Loja. Yeah. Motherfucker. I mean, you could just like have one of these clips that just plays regular. That's not. <laughs> what what <laughs> little kid not, not like is that excited about? Edit. Yeah. What, what, what little kid is that excited about Robert Loggia? What does he know him from? I don't understand. <laughs> hey, you know, he knows Robert Loggia from Scarface. He knows him from uh, uh, Big, you know. Oh, big, sure. maybe, yeah, yeah, that's right. 
Um, you, yeah. you know, Vince, I could do a regular clip, <laughs> but then it wouldn't be pod yourself a gun. That's but true. in this case, I probably could have. So um, I was reading about that scene, apparently. Well, I don't know if it was that scene specifically, but they're talking about, uh, you know, it, it was taking Robert Loja. He was having a, like a lot of trouble remembering his lines, and he was sort of diagnosed with Alzheimer's later. And oh no, this could have I didn't like that. some of the early um, signs of it because it was just taking him really a long time to remember his lines, and it was delaying shooting. And then I'm watching this scene, and uh, he, I feel like he goes from zero to a hundred. Uh, really fast and oh yeah you know i guess it sort of makes sense for a character who's fresh out of prison but uh it was a lot yeah i think he's a he's a crazy mafioso i thought it worked perfectly but uh you know that's me i i i was yeah. into you're the shill that's fine we i'm it. the shill i like when the acting is big on the nose that's what i need <laughs> um but uh Plus then we also the story he's telling is like the cliche Totally. Every prison story, you know? Like, that's what everybody says when you go to prison. Yeah, it's not a great story. I mean, it's like, uh, why is, number one, why is that kid in prison, you know? Number two, why is why is he excited to tell him about Minute Maid, mm-hmm. you know, Lemonade? <laughs> yeah. And number I, three, where'd that, where'd that cool saxophone come from? <laughs> I think it does set up a part of his character that ends up being like a device where he always tells these rambling kind of like shaggy yes. dog stories. And then it creates that tension between him and Tony because Tony's always walking in in the middle of him and it drives him insane. Like he <laughs> yeah. can't handle it and feels. And then like Tony realizes that like he won't kiss his ass like all his kind of lackeys do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, away, it, it definitely it's like important. it sets up his character as this guy who's telling a story. And Tony is someone who's like really not interested in hearing stories um, like like he, you know, as the season progresses, he gets more and more fed up with features constantly being in the middle of a story. Um, and it also sets up this like interesting thing with uh, the kind of like the mafia storyline in uh, this uh, season because that thing that he's watching uh, early on with Matthew uh, Weiner, Weiner, whichever, um, talking about like what we really have to look out for is uh, New Jersey. There's going to be some power struggles there. Feach Lamana is out of prison. You know, uh, fucking Junior Soprano is still, you know, uh, being retried or whatever. Um, and New York is stable. You know, they've got uh, Carmine Lupertazzi on top and, uh, and that totally flips on its head with uh, with Carmine uh, eating some fucking egg salad. Yeah, at a golf he was course. Uh, tragically dead of gherkin poisoning. <laughs> Here's a question I have though: um, it, Was he poisoned by uh, Johnny Sack? Another no, Johnny theory. Sack just wanted him to eat his egg salad. He was like, mm-hmm. "Come on, you're wasting uh, all that mayo, all that good mayo they put in there." I, I honestly like like I I don't know whether it was the acting uh, or whatnot, but there was something about the way that Johnny Sack is kind of like delivering these these lines in this scene. I where, smell fresh cut grass. Oh yeah, I yeah. Don't I smell burning here at all. It's I don't I don't smell any. It's fresh yeah. grass. There was a weird. I mean, he's always kind of weird and fake with Carmine, though, so it's hard to That's hard to true. know. True, true. But there was part of me that that is like I wouldn't put it past him to have actually like somehow poisoned 
Carmine or something. I don't know. It felt it felt a little bit like it. Wait, they were just, gonna whack him, right? He had a plot going with Tony to whack him, then Tony right. pulled out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But he wanted Tony to do it. So my take on that was that, you know, Johnny Sack's a bit of a coward. He wants other people to do his dirty work for him. Um mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I, I it does feel like they're trying to hint maybe lay like, or add a little ambiguity to how sure. did Carmine die there. Which was a yeah. really real as fuck death. I was impressed with that. Good. No, yeah. he didn't die then. He ended up in the hospital. He yeah, had a he gets. He had a stroke. He, first. he has like some paralysis. They say, and then well, he dies a couple episodes later. Right. Well, regardless, it's a, a real as fuck stroke. Is he? You know, oh, he's, he's good. No, no, it's very good. He's got a mouthful. And, he, and egg Tony salad. gets the egg salad out. That made me throw up <laughs> yeah. in my mouth. A little Get bit. the egg salad out of there. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so of course, you know, now we've flipped. Uh, you know, any power struggle that is going to happen this season is clearly going to be coming from uh, the New York families, which, uh, which is great because once again, it's like Tony, Tony continually dodges bullets legally on the show. And just when you think he's, you know, actually going to be in trouble legally, something happens. And this I thought was a, a, a pretty, I don't know, a, a pretty great bullet dodge to have Carmine just fucking, stroke out on a golf course uh you know that's the thing about golf courses you don't want too many strokes no <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right yeah, yeah. fun yeah is, it, it. is this the first time we see little carmine this is the very first introduction. Uh, no it's like character. the second no? or third but he's okay he's, okay okay, okay. It's yeah. Close. yeah he's been around uh but like uh this is definitely um you're gonna get a lot more little Carmine this season, and I love uh, him. By the way, I think he's a really me too. fun character. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, I love a good, you know, malapropism machine, mm-hmm. and uh, and he's great. He's kind of uh, like grown up AJ. He's sort of like himbo AJ. Mm-hmm. Grown up himbo yeah. AJ. He is. He is. That's that's exactly what he is. Like AJ's future is definitely Carmine because like Car- like little Carmine is what. A guy who fancies himself a movie producer in Hollywood, you know, but mostly making porn and then occasionally making Cleaver like he's, uh, you know, he's not really he's connected, but he's not in the mafia, you know, at least not up until a, a point, you know. Yeah, he's uh, not enough of a street guy to do, you know, any real mafia yeah, stuff, but he he's, can, he can run he's a front fail businesses. Son. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But it almost feels like out of character for him when he really starts being like I want to be the boss and I yeah. will rule fairly and Yeah, know, yeah. It, it, it but then it feels a little out of left field and then he kind of, you know, obviously abandons that and uh, ends up back where he started. Exactly. Is, it's kind of the best life that any of these dudes could ever hope for. I know. Right? It's all you've ever wanted. You're still one of them. And you're still like treated as like someone who can like come in from time to time to like fucking mediate, uh, but you don't ever have to worry about your life being at risk. Um, yeah. So who would want to turn that down? Um, finally, we're gonna get into the storyline between Paulie and Chrissy, which um, has again one of my favorite scenes, most memorable scenes, which is the the scene with the waiter. Um, uh, in essence, this is just Polly and Chrissy having the same fight that they've been having for fucking four seasons now, uh, <laughs> which is that Chris uh, Chrissy wants respect. Uh, it's a perfect and, fight because it's like they say it's a, it's really just about them both being cheap fucks. But uh, yes, it turns it's about into, money. Yeah, it turns into like, ah, but respect. 
No, okay. right. It's like it's never actually respect. It's always it's always about money. It's always it's, money, but they somehow yes. conflate it with respect. Well, because uh, they both have their their kind of like their their fake reasons. You know, it's well, like yeah, oh, you look at me as lo- as little as a, like a little boy. You know, and at the bottom of the totem pole, and then you know he's like, yeah, well, you look at yourself as a little nephew protected by Tony, and it's like, mm-hmm. no, you both just don't want to pay for dinner. <laughs> and yeah. well, but there's this, also that callback to the Pine Barrens at the beginning when they're yeah. first kind of starting the beef, and it's like, let's his god down this one, you know. And the, the yeah, like, hey, what? Don't forget when you lost your shoe, and then they're mocking him. And I think he really resents that that he almost knows too much because he's yes. seen him at his weakest and most like you know pathetic right. and kind there's of humbled. A, yeah, there's a pattern of them like trying to playfully ball bust each other, and they never mm-hmm. can do it. Like they don't. Uh, like there's too much resentment between them for them to ever playfully ball bust so it always turns into yeah. a, a shoving match at the end right exactly because like they 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 don't uh i mean i've had those relationships too before like they're mostly in uh, high school relationships is the way i feel like like i've had friends who our whole thing was just busting each other's balls but like but you're kind of serious but but I was like I think we hate each other but we <laughs> yeah. we have to eat together because no one else will let us eat with them you know it's just like <laughs> like you're stuck you're stuck with this person who like all you do is talk shit to each other was that with and, the Nick the bitch oh well, no that was elementary school but yeah he's one of them but no it just I, I felt like I've <laughs> I've been uh, like in that kind of toxic friendship before where it's like neither person wants to do this, but you feel somehow <laughs> obligated to be acquaintances at the very least. Um, and and yeah. The, and the, yeah. And then the waiter does like the last thing that you ever want to do, which is um, come between two frenemies when they're having it out. Uh, and then suddenly becoming uh, the outside force that unites them. Uh, yes against exactly. one common enemy incredible yeah yeah honestly it's like it's one of those things where i feel you know i i feel bad for what happens to him but i'm also like you fucking never get in between two guidos arguing yeah. over money he's like you the gotta squid be... from what the watchman the giant uh space squid or whatever and then <laughs> yeah. and then uh, you know uh, christopher and Polly immediately are like, well, now we can lash out against somebody right. else. It's like, we got to kill this squid. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, I have a, a clip of that scene. How many how many audio edits is this going to have in it? I'm just no, curious. I, 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 this just is just none. a straight clip? Okay. You little fuck. Excuse me, gentlemen. You left me $16, sir. Perhaps you miscounted. There's 1200 bucks in there. And the bill was $1,184. Assuming you don't tip on tax or alcohol, 15%. I'm tapped out. I have kids. Then go back inside before you get hurt. Have a goddamn family to support. Fuck off. Yeah, right. Go piss it away at Blackjack fucking asshole. You're unbelievable. Oh! <laughs> Betsy, he's fucked up. Don't they have medicine they're supposed to take, these assholes? I don't these know. <laughs> Still going, this asshole. <laughs> You're unbelievable. <laughs> That's my money, Paulie. <laughs> I also I love them. They very much did, you know. Now I got the drugs and the money, right. but it was food in their stomach, and just like stealing the money back from the guy was uh, insult to injury. Well, I mean, I mean he's not going to so- need it where he's going. I like that That's they're true. accusing him of milking it after. 
<laughs> after they like punch him into a seizure. Yeah. Yeah, they and just like, uh, don't these assholes have medicine that they can take? And it's like he's having a seizure; he can't take the medicine. He's, he's, he's out of commission. Yeah, um, how much do you think one of these guys pulls down in a year? Like they're 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 beefing over a thousand bucks or whatever. Are they right. like hundred grand, two hundred? Like I'm, just, I have I have no concept of what money means to them. I, like, I, I don't, really don't. I don't know. I've been wondering this for a while. Like. um you know, I think, uh, you know, Chrissy at one point says, I think in past episodes, like it's uh, it's almost a futile fucking enterprise um, talking about like being a made man in the mafia. Right. So, like, I imagine it's got to be a six figure income like yeah. enough enough to fucking like be worth it, but not think- enough. To, yeah, I think the the standard criminal thing is to have so many scams going that money on some level isn't really real anymore. Like you right. just you spend you buy all kinds of shit and you're always trying to uh, nickel and dime everyone all the time. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you you make a lot of money and you piss all of it away and it's just a constant like filling up a leaky bag kind of thing. I think right. the best example of that is the bust out episode. Yeah, exactly. T-1000 where they're running these bullshit nickel and dime like cooler schemes and just like draining this dude and ruining his life. But for what? Like, yeah, it doesn't amount to shit. It would seem like, uh, what is it? A $10,000 debt that they're doing all this. seems like a lot of effort, right? Right. And, and all to have access to credit so that they can continue <laughs> yeah. to, to just kind of leech money any which way that they can, you know? But if you have a hundred of those schemes going at the same time, you can afford to blow uh, like $1,800 on or $1,400 on lobster or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, sure. Mm, Why not? I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that at all. Um, and then, like you were saying, Noel, um, they immediately bond and make up over this in the most hilarious way where they call each other the special. day after. You're very special to me, Chrissy. <laughs> you are to me too, Paulie. I love you. I love you. Hey, so, someone could have gotten hurt or even killed for Christ's sake. Killed. And it's like, can you imagine hurt or killed? Can you imagine if that could have happened? What, what, what become of us? Like these guys literally murdered a guy. Like tag team murdered this dude. What and, are you gonna do? He says. What are you gonna What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. and it's just it's just very cute because you know that their relationship is just it's just based on money. It's just based on like um, kind of the I don't know the mutual need to not get killed or go to prison, right? And and that maybe is strong enough to sustain the relationship at least until the next check comes. You know, Agreed. yeah. And uh, once once that next uh, they're at the next restaurant and who's taking that bill, we'll we'll see what happens there. But it, uh, for now, their relationship is saved by cold blooded murder. <laughs> it also speaks to the brilliance of the show, the way it can pivot from this really disturbing, upsetting murder of this mm-hmm. dude who is just like a bystander who just fucking shouldn't have run his mouth, yes. and then go to this ridiculously sweet yet hilarious little exchange like yeah. it, it it forces your brain to kind of change gears and it's not depressing like i don't find the show most of the time depressing no. they always know how to twist it just enough to make it like you know make you kind of move on but not in like a weird callous way just like it's a satire really the whole show to me is kind of a satire it's, it is it's so good. yeah and and I, I feel like that is 
what you were talking about earlier, Vince, like that is something that you don't see as much. Like there's not a lot of, um, I don't know. There's less patience now for kind of just doing cold blooded murder, mm-hmm. uh, and using that as a punchline. You know, it's yeah. like, uh, it, it, there's, there's too many heroes and not enough anti-heroes. And, uh, well, that's why we do a Sopranos podcast and not a fucking mayor of Easttown podcast. Um, if we're doing favorite, least favorite, Vince, do you have a uh, favorite scene? Least favorite scene? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the the one that made me laugh the hardest and longest was Tony saying, and now the coffee maker sucks. Um, yeah. Just because it's so petty. And I like, I like smart humor that's based on dumb people uh, saying mm-hmm. inarticulate things. Um, yeah. I love that. Um, and sorry, I'm choosing two, but uh, we never got into the dinner that the first dinner that they're having where they're talking about the bear. Oh, and yes. Silvio is saying like, uh, you know, if, if you're ever being chased by a bear, run downhill because for some reason they can't do that, which is I, funny. I have, funny number one. Yeah, I have a clean, uh, I swear to God, a clean <laughs> clip of just bear thoughts. I hope you're from lying, that. but I, I'm going to play it anyway. Freaking out of the oil. The food's drenched. That's the reason it happened. As far as fucking bears are concerned. I say, get rid of them all. They had their turn. And now we got ours. <laughs> That's why dinosaurs don't exist no more. Wasn't it a meteor? They're all meat eaters. Meteor. Meteor. Take it easy. Here, baby. Have some more cheese, please. The other thing with bears is, you ever chased by one, run downhill. <laughs> some reason, they can't do that. It's the moss. <laughs> they attack when you're having a period, too. Oh, no, it's, that's jungle cats. It's the moss. This is such a good rejoinder. <laughs> yeah. That, also, that is like with, the idea that is my favorite. You yeah. could choose uh, which, like, you could immediately suss out the elevation depending right. where yeah. you are while you're being chased by a bear. Right, right. I, I, it's like this, this idea that bears only live uh, in hilly areas. Like, <laughs> you're going to run into a hill. Make sure you're running down a hill. So you already have to be on top of a hill for this plan to work. Yeah. How steep but, uh, a grade does this have to be? Is there a cutoff? Like, I don't <laughs> yeah, like Ooh. it's just it's just like a one degree fucking like grade. You're just like, all right, that, that works. Wait, what does the moss have to do with fucking anything? What I don't understand how that would be an impediment or a positive thing. I think you slip on moss. I think bears are near moss. I, I don't know, but I love the idea of just... Yeah fucking guidos pontificating you know and just just trying to just trying to say whatever bare idea they vaguely remember from some nature show they watched once uh is is fantastic um that's my favorite scene um in in the episode in terms of least favorite uh i don't know the opening scene i think with uh bobby bakla um and uh, Janice is like taking over the Sunday dinner thing. I felt like it was a setup for something that didn't have a payoff. And I was like, I- I'm glad it was included, I guess, to know where we are in time. Like mm-hmm. Bobby and Janice have already gotten married, but yeah. I, it didn't serve much. So I don't, I don't hate it. It's just like if I have to put them in order. Uh, did you have a favorite scene, uh, Noel? Um, gosh, it's hard. Like, I mean, I think... It's not, I don't know. Sometimes my favorite and least favorite could they're very closely related. Like yeah. anything with uh, AJ on the mm-hmm. drums, 
uh, would be my least favorite in his little sniveling attitude. But I also think it's so expertly done to invoke these feelings of rage in me that I yes. give them, you know, thumbs up for that. So I yeah. could also make those my favorite. Um, I don't know. My favorite. There's a funny line that Christopher has when he's trying to explain it when Tony's sitting down with Christopher and they're talking about why he's got to keep paying because of feudal mm-hmm. Japan, you know? Um, mm-hmm. It's like the little manservants that the samurais have. And uh, <laughs> yeah. and he says, I hear you, Tone, but that was before inflation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you mean? Before the concept of in- like, inflation is, it's a running thing. It happens, yeah. you know, and, and it changes with like the stand. Everything kind of inflates. I, th- I, all, I think yeah. it, he thinks that, uh, you know, fucking samurais were around like in the 1960s. And he's like, you know, using the American dollar and being like inflation back then was much lower. Exactly. Uh, yes. <laughs> by by definition. But it's, I love the way I mean, it sounds like he's like. That, that's the thing. It's all this blind confidence. Like, it's the yes. moss. It's mm-hmm. like, he, he knows that that's true. You know, yeah. and Christopher believes in his heart of hearts that, like, this, yeah. is, this is this economic principle that he thinks. Exactly. Is. Um, yeah, dude, yeah, I would say that that's probably my favorite scene. Oh, it's a great like, one. I completely agree. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it is. Uh, if Let me see. So, if I had to grade this episode, <laughs> I would probably... Of all the grades to give it, and I could choose anyone, I give it a B plus. Vince, what would you give this? Wow, uh, I'm gonna have to think about that. I might get back. To- no, I'm gonna just go solid B plus. Also, all right, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Noel Brown, do you have like a letter grade that you would give this mm. episode of The Sopranos? Mm. Oh. You know, I think I'm gonna have to go with. Uh, I'm gonna double down and go for a super solid. B plus. All right. Fair enough. This episode gets a B plus. You heard it here first. And uh, I would say that this opening episode of season five of Body Yourself a Gun gets the biggest A plus in the world. Thank you so much to our guest, Noel Brown. Ah. Noel, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Instagram. I'm at how now Noel Brown. Uh, <laughs> I'm on the podcast stuff that I want you to know, which is like a critical thinking approach to conspiracy theories so all kinds of stuff everything from you know government cover-ups and evil corporate schemes to supernatural stuff but it's it's always fun conversation we don't like try to force anything on anybody we just like treat it almost like thought experimentation when things get really out there Uh, and then i do one called ridiculous history too which the name kind of says exactly what it is and i also do one called movie crush where i talk about movies with chuck bryant from stuff you should know nice nice you got three goddamn so many all, things. We can barely keep two going at the same time. Um, well, I'm a big fan of both you guys, and like I said, I really appreciate you having me on. I'm a giant fan of the show and giant uh, fan of The Sopranos. Nice. Well, I I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for uh, being our first guest of season five. Um, Patreon.com/slash/fraudcast for all of the bonus episodes where Vince and I uh, talk about other things other than Sopranos. Um, we talk about movies. We talk about whatever you know, internet stuff. Um, also, by the time you are hearing this, there will be and Vince, this is probably a surprise to you. Hmm. Um, there will be a uh, Discord uh thing. So that is uh, mm-hmm. so we're gonna we're starting up a Discord guy. Uh, I don't know what it is yet, um, but it's something that people do. So uh, all of the tiers, you'll get access to the Discord uh, place. And that'll be good because I think people like that. 
Anyway, so sign up at patreon.com slash broadcast for, uh, you know, any of the tiers. $8 tier gets you a shout out. And, oh, that reminds me, Vince. We got to do our shout outs. Oh, you didn't tell me we had shout outs this week. I forgot. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, all right. So these are... Uh, these are our shout outs. Let me just, uh, let me see what the last ones were. I, t- I totally forgot that we, we do this. We took one week off and, uh, all right, hold on. Give me one second. Mm. We did Peter. Okay. Let's see. All right. Okay. You ready? Uh, sure. Yeah. I got my uh, uh- nickname given shoes on. You got your nickname given shoes on. All right. First one we have on the $8 tier is Mike Mundy. Mike Mundy. Hey, we call him Garfield because everybody hates Mundy. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. You're really good at this. All right. (laughs) Next one we got is Addison Firth. Addison Firth. Uh, We call her... uh, we call her uh, we call her Deuce because you know she's first to herself, but she's second in our hearts. And wow, it's uh, <laughs> not bad. Call Deuce, that we is... call her Deuce Bigelow. We call yeah because she's the female gigolette. Um, <laughs> the female all right, juggalo. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> all right, next one is uh, Daniel Palowin. Oh, Daniel Palowin. What's the or, thing? Or that... Polo Win. Polo pa- Win. What is the thing that uh, we call him Anakin Skywalker? Because he's like the the Padawan. No way. What is he called? Yeah, it's Padawan. But it... mm-hmm. Yeah, we call him Anakin. Uh, call uh, him... Or Anakin, Polo Win. They rhymed. Any of those reasons yeah, work. We call him uh, Anakin, you know, like the <laughs> Star Wars thing. <laughs> I'm a gangster million in Star Wars. I know all I'm one of those Star Lord. Wars gangsters. Yeah. I, I watch it mostly for Jabba the Hutt. He's my favorite gangster. I'm the uh, most gangster when it comes to uh, gatekeeping fake nerd girls. You know, I got to make sure they know all the stuff about this. I want to keep them chained by the neck. Um, and the next one is Travis Jacobson. Oh yeah, Travis. We call you know what well, we call him. Uh, we call him uh, Fuckface. That's his nickname. All right, we're gonna go with Fuckface. That's uh, that's how you know Vince wants to wrap it up when he just starts calling him. Hey, fuckface. one of the guys' names Big Pussy. You don't always have to have a reason for anything. Hey, it's me, Travis Fuckface. Um, <laughs> and so that's the kind of treatment you're gonna get here on Pot Yourself a Gun at the eight dollar tier. Once again, that's. Patreon.com slash broadcast, broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, concerns. Vince, what is the Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. Comments, right. questions, concerns. Pitch us your weird books. We love them all. <laughs> Come on. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, don't stop believing. Yo, what up? My name is Ellie Matt. Flap, 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 flap. All up in that ass with that cat. I said, what up, bitch? My name Ellie Matt. Lum, lum, da, bum, till you go splat. It's flat with all the cum from lum and bums. 
Yo, bitch, what up? I'm gonna suck the dick. Flapping the bitch and I eat the shit. Everybody know when I'm sucking dick, it's really fun and everybody likes it. Oh, yeah, bitch, I'm gonna suck some dick tonight. And you're gonna have fun and we all gonna suck dick together. Like birds with feathers, everybody's like, eat gum. Fuck. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.